Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Sponsored by Dext. This is the Success in Accounting podcast and going out on YouTube as well. We're part of the Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network. Broadcasting to 150 countries and thousands of accounting professionals all over the world. And we are continuing with our series of Women Leaders in Accounting, where we choose from the ecosystem of the accounting world, prominent and influential women leaders from all over serving different roles and different audiences to talk about diversity, women in the profession, and all things around leadership. I'm thrilled to have with me today four superb guests. I'm going to get them to introduce themselves in just a moment and say hello, so you know who you are watching and listening to, and then we'll get right into it. So, Emily, can I start with you? A little introduction from you, so our fellow panelists know who you are and also our audience. Absolutely. So my name is Emily Ackerman. I'm the Director of Business Development for Lane Gorman Trubit. We are a full service accounting firm in Dallas, Texas, and one of the largest ones that has not been acquired by one of the big, big ones. And so I connect strangers that need to meet all day and I know enough accounting to be dangerous, but you do not want me doing your tax return. That would not be fun for anybody. Um, but I connect everyone that needs to meet. I'm happy to go into my firm a little bit later for more panelists to have the floor. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. Janet, welcome. Nice, nice to be here. Thanks, Rob. Um, I'm Janet Jack. I'm the CEO of the Institute of Accountants and Bookkeepers. Basically, we're an awarding and a membership body. So we write the qualifications for, for accountants. We're just developing new ones uh, up to a degree level that we are taking worldwide, launching in India and later on. Well, actually, next month when I go, uh, I go out there. So that's all exciting. Um, and that's us. We're based in Kent. We have offices in London, but basically our members are worldwide and our students are worldwide. And it's lovely to have representation from professional bodies institutes. We've had the ACCA on so far and the ICAW, which some of you may recognise, and we've got someone from the ICPA coming up. So, uh, Debbie, welcome. Great to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, your the opportunity and, and to meet everybody here. Um, my name is Debbie Zoller. I am the Chief Operating Officer at Shellman. Shellman is a CPA firm, but a cybersecurity firm mostly, as we are um, one of the unique firms that doesn't do any traditional accounting or tax services. Uh, we focus solely on cybersecurity. So we do things like penetration testing, PCI assessments, uh, stock reports. We do all kinds of certifications, audit assessments across many different industries, uh, covered most of the industries actually, and clients of all sizes. So all from small organizations to very large organizations. We are US-based, but we do operate uh, all throughout the globe. So we've been to over uh, 30, 30 countries uh, just performing services for our clients. Thank you, Debbie. And we've had Avani Desai on our show before, uh, one of your colleagues, as you know, Avani, she was a, a very outspoken uh, guest on our podcast. That's great. Donna, welcome. Lovely to have you with us. Thanks so much. So uh, my name is Donna Erbs. I'm a connector, a re relationship builder, a strategist, a community partner, and I'm a partner in strategic growth. And I'm very proud to say that I'm Anders CPAs and Advisors' first non-CPA partner. So uh, as an independent firm, that's a really big deal. Um, I was the CMO and the marketing director for about 18 years and had the opportunity to uh, work on leadership teams. And um, in January, I became a partner in this new field called strategic growth, um, where we're looking 
looking at all of the things that make up a firm to, to go forward. So, um, and that includes even what are CPAs doing that other people could be doing. So we're working on synergies, building a scalable sales organization. Um, some of my favorite parts of my current and past positions are the impact that I get to have in the community and working on women's initiatives. Um, Andrew CPAs and Advisors um, is a firm in St. Louis, Missouri, but we have remote workers all over the country that we total about 370 as of yesterday, I think. Uh, when I started the firm, we were 70 people and $8.6 million. We'll end the firm at about $68 million, um, number 89 on the uh, top accounting firms list, uh, a best of the best, and we were recently named one of St. Louis's top privately held companies. So lots of exciting news. We too will uh, remain an independent firm and um, just uh, exciting to be in accounting at this at this stage of the game. You've said a bit of that before, Donna, haven't you? That was very slick and <laughs> you delivered <laughs> my, it very my elevator speech, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's wonderful to have you all on. Let's kick off and I'll start with you, Janet, if I may, on this one. Let's just set the scene here with a little bit of context. Yes, we're all Europe female leaders in accounting and, and fintech and all of you are uh, setting good examples, but why is diversity important in the world these days? Why are we talking about things like diversity, equity, inclusion that we weren't 10, 20 years ago? Um, I think it's important to to have diversity within, within your workforce and within your team. For me, I, I'm... I listened to sort of like one of your uh, one of the podcast links you sent through to me and listening to some of the ladies on there. I think we all feel the same. I think we're we're quite driven um in what we do. Um hence why we're all in the positions that we are. But I personally I've never yes, I I've had sexist comments when I was younger, get to that age now, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but um when you're young, I think it's um it's quite hard sometimes when in it's in a male environment. But I've found actually the accountancy profession, especially in the UK here in the minute, seems to be a lot better. You don't, there's still one or two, um, shall we say, old pale and stale around in, in, in the top of some organisations. Um, but it's it's drifting and I think it's an age thing. And I, I'm finding that the younger, younger men that are coming up in the industry are very much in equality. I think it's really good to have a balance. I think you need to have a balance. It's, I am actually now find it quite difficult to actually get men on my board because it's all women. <laughs> so I don't know that we've scared them or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> Thank you for that. It is important. Emily, let's go to you. Probably safe to say that you're the youngest person here out of all of us. So going to the other end of the scale, I guess we are in a more woke world now. We're, we're more sensitive and accepting. So is... Uh, prejudice the thing of the past are we getting it all right now why are we talking about this um i think that it's something that continues to need to be at the forefront of discussion that i think one thing that actually drew me to want to move over to my firm which is lane gorman trubit is they've been really leading the charge of diversity and inclusion since day one so the firm's been around since 1950 and i'm talking back 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 in the day we were one of the first firms in the country to have a female managing partner our current managing partners female, our partner in charge of audits female, partner in charge of manufacturing and distributions female, our partner group is 50-50, men and women alike. Um, look around the room and I don't, this is where we're getting a little controversial. I don't just see white men that are old. Um, you see everything. You see color, you see all different types of religions. You see, one thing that I think was really fun that we do is we have a whole diversity day. And where you, it could be as simple as you just bring food from the country where you're from, or it could be as simple as you dress up in your native garb, whatever that may be. I think our firm 
really does celebrate the differences of opinion and that we all bring something new and unique to the table. Um, I would say that the profession as a whole is still fairly woke. You, um, not woke. It is, it's getting more and more open. I relate it to a couple years ago at my past firm. I knew that the industry was changing when I saw my partner in charge interviewing someone with a neck tattoo. That would have never happened back in the day. Um, and I think one thing that keeps us current with the times is that we just do secession planning really well. I don't know about you guys, ladies, but we have a mandatory retiring age for partners at 65. And that really does get that old generation out and gives the new guys and gals a chance to lead and really tread forward. Um, I also think that we work in an environment that no one's scared to talk about differences of ideas and bring new things into the fold. Um, living in Texas of all states where we just keep getting um, in the news in not a great way. Um, I think that we as a firm are a really modern example and that's why we haven't needed to get acquired and we've stood independent and keep growing and growing because our firm just doesn't look like the rest in a good way. Um, and I think that, I mean, even my department and practice growth, there's a, I, I joke and that we sound like a, a funny joke where it's like, you got two millennials, a Jewish person, a veteran and a gay man walking to a bar. <laughs> and that, that right there is the definition of diversity and inclusion. And, and if it was just, no offense, Christian old white men lead in my practice growth team, I don't think we would be growing. It's what old white men want to read and listen to. And I want to hear about the but about what you guys have been doing with your firms, because I think we've been doing stuff well and leading by example for a long time, but I always want to hear new ideas. Yeah, we'll speak more into what's practically working, but uh, Donna, I think Emily's just throwing a grenade in the room there and walked out. There's such a lot in there and the, the world's changing, isn't it? The world is changing. And I think, you know, from my standpoint as strategic growth, we have to have people um, that look like our clients, right? Our clients want that. And I think that can be um, a diversity of age, a diversity of race, that can be a diversity of thought, right? It's kind of in, in my role, it's kind of like one giant match.com, right? You have to have the right people and you have to, how does that look? So, you know, being in the middle of the United States, States, um, it is still, uh, the accounting profession is uh, still pretty white. Um, and But we are starting to look at different things. I think that everybody has to realize, and I just had a long discussion yesterday with like the Dean of the Business School at St. Louis University, who is a black woman. And uh, um, I think that we have to be open to new things. We found out at Anders that the historically black college here where we were getting some of our interns, they were telling us that, um, one of their favorite parts of interning with us was that they um, got to learn about how to take a CPA prep course. And so we said, well, you know, why didn't you do that at your university? And they said, well, they don't come there. And I thought, oh, that can't possibly be correct, right? No, it was correct. Well, they go there now. Um, I think that we are looking at things like why are um, people of color not going into the CPA profession? Well, when you ask, when you have deep discussions, it's because scholarships are for four years and it takes five years to be a CPA and there's not that money for that last year. So, you know, these are first world problems that can be easily um, helped by, you know, state societies and individual firms. And I think you're seeing the big four do that. Um, it's not as prevalent in um, independent firms, but, you know, we have a, a, a woman leading technology as the CIO. Um, we have uh, eight female partners, which when I, you know, up until 2013, we had zero. If you 
you know, think about it. So um, we have a person, uh, the uh, C-suite is head up in um, HR, also in marketing. Um, so you're starting to see uh, people come in you know, that have diversity. And, and I think that that's critical. We even talk about it where we'll put um, men and women on teams just because you think of things differently or people of, um, that have diverse backgrounds. So I think that there's a long way to go in the accounting profession. I think we've just scratched the surface. Um, and, you know, I think everybody's making an effort just particularly in recruiting efforts. And, and uh, I was laughing a little bit at Emily because um, one of our new interns that's coming in uh, has pink hair and that would have never, ever happened even a couple of years ago. So I think there's just much, much more openness um, than there has ever been in the accounting profession. Debbie, I don't know what's going on, but you women will be wanting the vote next and you'll be wanting to play golf and soccer and everything else. The world's just going <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but wonderfully examples here. What does diversity mean for you and why are we talking about it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, very similar sentiments as, as these ladies have mentioned. And, you know, obviously we're in the accounting industry, but we're also in the technology industry because we do focus a lot on cybersecurity. And that's been a very male dominant industry. Um, I've been going to conferences for years. I've been doing this for 22 years. And you're starting to see more and more females at technology conferences. You know, we always kind of joke about, you know, the women's restroom and line being very short, typically in the past where now it's growing. And I'd like to see more women at these conferences. I mean, it's really great. I think we're making some, some headway there, but I think we're not there yet, right? We're still having these conversations because I don't think that firms have been really intentional about it. And, you know, our firm for one, I mean, I, I'm incredibly proud of where Shaman has grown and what we've been doing. We're not quite there yet with diversity, but um, we've never shied away from it. We've always been very inclusive. I was the first female partner um, for our firm. So, I mean, I, yeah, I'm very proud of that. I mean, I've, I've always been supported by uh, everybody around me. But I think that, you know, we've taken um, a step back and said, we, while we're doing a great job, we're not there yet, right? We're not being intentional. And we can't really expect, um, you know, that from others if we're not doing it ourselves. So we need to put together a formal program. We need to hire people that can you know, put in this formal program and really look at it from all different aspects, because it's not just who we hire, but it's also our suppliers, right? We have to make sure our suppliers have diversity and we have to make sure that our executive team and et cetera, and our board and, and everybody, has, there's diversity around because really I'm actually at a women's conference this week and it's a, a conference on privacy, security risk. And there's 670 women at this conference, which is amazing. And it's huge. And what someone mentioned the other day that, you know, diversity also removes intimidation. You know, when you have one woman sitting at a table with all men, they're not going to be as eager to, to speak up and to say what they, you know, to have their voice heard. And so we need to remove that intimidation. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is having that different thought and that different background, right? We, we can grow more as a firm and any organization can grow more as a firm if you have more diverse backgrounds that have different experiences to bring to the table. And so we not only want inclusive inclusivity, but we also want to make sure those voices are heard. I'd like to focus on your own careers, ladies, and the path that you've taken. I've interviewed a lot of minority people. We had Herschel Frierson on the show recently. He's head of the National Association of Black Accountants, and he works as a partner at Crow, a firm that you will know. And Avani Tassani, your colleague, Debbie, we've had on the show as well. And the, the message has been, I, I didn't see people like me in the profession as I came through the ranks. So Donna, let's start with you on this one. Talk to us a little bit about your career path and, and any pivotal moments that shaped who you are. I started my career in marketing, and uh, I have always worked for professional services firms. So for for real estate, for engineering firms, and um, made the move to accounting um, 20 years ago. I was a single mom, and um, so uh, 
finding a profession where I could raise my two children um, in the fashion that I wanted to do that was important to me. So I was driven um, to do that. But I, I will tell you, there was a pivotal moment in my early, early career where I worked for a woman who all of a sudden, all of my ideas became hers. And it was at that moment that I decided that if I was ever in a position of leadership, that I was going to be exactly the opposite because that was so demeaning. And, you know, I grew up in a time where I think women fell in two uh, buckets, right? They were either, um, they had scrapped so hard to get to where they are that they didn't want to let anyone else in, or they were, you know, trying to raise everyone up. And I think that when you reach a position like I'm in now, we all have to remember that we have to turn around on that ladder and we have to give a hand up to the women who are still behind us. So in my whole career, I've, that's been kind of my personal roadmap. And I didn't know until last year that there's really a term for that and that's called co-elevation. And there's been a book written, Leading Without Authority, and the uh, author's name is Keith Ferrazzi. And I thought, I, I never knew what that name was that I was doing, but that's, but it's co-elevation. And it's, um, and it, it is about making sure that you're turning around and that you're looking, that you're giving other people opportunities. So I also think that women sometimes self-select out and we have to stop doing that. We, you know, a guy will say, yes, I know how to do that, even if they have no idea. And we feel like we need to have a PhD in order to say yes. And so, you know, I've just said yes and figured it out along the way. And, um, and, and made sure that I'm doing a good job mentoring other women so that, um, and then when they say, you know, when they say, what can I do for you? And I just said, pay it forward. So someday when you're in my office, um, now you have to turn around too. When you talked about the woman that wouldn't let you in, as it were, there's a concept of an anti-role model. I'm on the record that my father was an alcoholic and I'm teetotal, so I don't drink. And he made me the father I am by just ignoring everything he did. I wanted to be the father and the man that he wasn't. So that takes you the other way. Janet, talk to us a bit about your career path. A very wavy path. <laughs> very wavy path. Nothing to do with accounting when I first started. I couldn't wait to leave school and get out there and see the world and do things. And um, I ended up working in casinos all around the world. Um, so obviously money involved, you have to do you know, you end up doing a profit and loss at the end of your table every night. I didn't realise I was actually doing accountancy work at the time. Um, I was too busy enjoying myself. And then um, I um, had a couple of my own businesses, which I did the accounting for up to a certain point. And um, I, I had a very nice accountant who actually says, I don't know why you pay me to do this. You can easily do this on your own. I was going, no, I need somebody to check it. Uh, uh, I, you know, because I don't think this was, I didn't, I didn't think for one minute that would enter me into um, this career. So um, eventually I started my own practice, had my own practice. I became a board member um, of the IAB many years ago. And uh, when the CEO was leaving, um, they asked me, would I step up and um, be the CEO of the organisation? Um, so that's where um, I came in. A few obstacles at the beginning when I did that. There was a, a, a few gentlemen who didn't like that idea too much. And um, also I highlighted all the problems that I found. Well, that will make you popular. Yeah, I was. I went down the store. Um, <laughs> previous, just before that, I was actually, um, I was actually the finance director for um, a, a small. It's, it's called the Federation of Small Businesses. And I was the finance director there, and that was that was a difficult time. It was very male orientated in there. It was it was kind of came up like a bit like a, almost like a trade union. So they were very stand firm. So when we wanted to make change and make it modern and diverse, 
Um, obviously, when you're the first people to come around and say that, um, not all, always a popular vote. But in the end, it has turned around and you can go on social media now. And they, they are very diverse and they have made a lot of big changes. And that also helped me um, with the IAB and changing, changing that round. And I think the fact that I travelled such a lot and that I'd worked in many countries, um, dealing with our overseas members and putting our qualifications in there. I can see it from a ground level, you know, you've got people who have got absolutely nothing and then you go other places where, you know, they're willing to pay thousands of pounds for a qualification and, it, you know, money's not an object. To bring that levelling up, to make it available to all and have that more diversity so that everybody can be included and everyone's got a chance. I think we have to start at the bottom and start realising, um, you know, how you can bring bring people up and I'm a bit like Donna my my leadership is encouraging others behind me because I'm not going to be there forever you know that there's there's other young people need to come in and we need to support them through so I'm always looking about how I can help them how can they get on and even when I meet people at conferences and things and somebody will ask me a question I go I know somebody who can help you with that <laughs> Debbie let's talk about your career has it been a rocket to the top or has it been a bit wavy like Janet's um, probably less wavy, but um, certainly has been uh, some pivotal moment. So I started out as a CPA, so I have you know the CPA accounting background, but I've always been interested in technology. So I started off doing IT audit out of college, and um, really just kind of you know growing in the IT space and kind of just doing I, I call IT audit kind of high level you know technology area. But I would say that you know a pivotal moment, and this kind of will speak a little bit to um, you know some tips and career tips and things like that, and similar to what Donna had mentioned. But um, we were basically doing one service, our firm, a very long time ago. We wanted to start branching out to do a different type of service, which is called a PCI assessment, payment card industry, much more technical than what I was used to. Um, it, it really was something very different, but we needed someone to start, start the practice and to get the methodology and to essentially start doing these assessments. So I raised my hand and said, okay, I'll take it on. And I just kind of figured it out, right? I don't have that deep technology background, but I did a lot of Google searches and, you know, I figured it out. And um, that I think was a pivotal point for me because it's what led me to being the first principal um, at the firm and then, you know, growing and, and progressing my career. And I took on other service lines that we started um, in privacy. So I wasn't very you know, well-versed in privacy, but I started up our national privacy practice um, several years ago and again, kind of learned that as well. Um, so I think that you know, it, it kind of goes towards you know, wanting to grow yourself, but never saying no, right? Taking advantage of the opportunities and then building yourself around a good team. Hiring those people that can help you and grow as a team together, I think is incredibly important. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about leadership style, but that's a little precursor. Emily, what's your trajectory been like to the top? Kind of giving a little cliff note background. I'm the only girl my generation out of like 30 something boy cousins, nephews, a brother. I've been very fortunate to grow up around awesome guys. I dress very girly, but I'm kind of a tomboy just given how I was raised. Um, I remember being out of college and being asked an interview question that actually stumped me. And it was, what are you excellent at? Um, at the time, I was like, I'm not excellent at one thing, but I'm really good at a lot of different things. And looking back 10 years later, um, since I've been in the business development world, I've realized that I'm extremely good at connecting strangers that need to meet, um, almost matchmaking. And when I learned out of college that sales is literally like dating, it it just changes how you work. Um, my sort of like Donna, my background is actually in marketing. I got my done in business development, business development, working for CBS radio. Um, and so I worked for news radio and sports radio 
at that time, I learned if I'm going to stand out compared to my other colleagues who were only focusing on what women 25 to 54 want. Yeah, I dress girly, but I knew what more men 40 plus wanted to buy and where they worked. And so that really started my relationships with attorneys, wealth managers, banks, you name it, all relationships that are still relevant to where I am today. And my clients that I had on radio, whether you're a Harley Davidson dealership, whether you are an RV park, Nebraska Furniture Mart, all these companies can still and do need accounting services today. Um, and I look back on it and it really has been a business of relationships, of trust. Um, I find accounting in the finance world, this is gonna be a little taboo to say, but I think what we do is rather boring. But when you realize that it's something that everyone needs, not necessarily once, but you need good accounting relationships for your life. And it is just like a marriage. And you have to do a lot of dating and whining and dining to get that client. Um, but I do think talking about leadership style and just kind of how I work and how my career path happened and why I attribute successes, I'm myself. I think most people in sales, especially in accounting and finance world, they don't talk religion, politics, and rock and roll and all those fun things with their clients. But I do think one thing that has led to success is just talking real with um, my clients and just, yes, every partner in tax is really smart and they can talk tax. Every audit partner, make sure you aren't in trouble with the IRS. But I think I do a really good job of matching my clients and with the right personalities at my firm and just relationships in the community. And that all stems from, it really is just like dating. <laughs> and I'm not going to put a granola crunchy hippie that is pretty woke with someone who is the complete opposite of them. I recognize if someone is a mother with three kids, I recognize if someone went to Texas A&M, if they also lived in England, those little things that are the things that you remember. They're not gonna remember the tax attorney did two years ago, but they're gonna remember if you slipped and fell and spilled your coffee in a meeting. They're gonna remember if you both went to the same college. They're gonna remember those moments. And I try bringing a more human element into accounting and fun. But you just answered about three questions in one there because we got your leadership style as well, which is great as well as your, your career. But let's move on to that for you other three. We know what Emily's style is of leading. Debbie, how would you describe your style of leadership? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, we, I kind of alluded to this earlier is that I, I really feel as though teamwork matters the most, right? The team makes it. And if, if we're not developing our team and growing together as a team, then we're really not we're really not growing. So I know I think that it's all about um, helping those that are younger um, give have the confidence and give them the confidence that they can learn, um, give them the support, of course, give them the room to kind of make their own decisions and stuff. I'm not really a micromanager, but definitely, you know, one that's supportive that, you know, uh, I actually um, had someone who was interviewing for an IT audit position and she came from financial accounting background. She was a little leery about, you know, whether to jump into technology because she didn't know technology. She was a little nervous about it. And I said, hey, just we'll, we'll, we'll help train you. Let's just, you know, just make the leap, right? Essentially just, I know you can do it. You know, audit um, technology will come. We've all been there before or you can do it. And now she's doing absolutely fabulous and is one of our managers. So, I mean, it just kind of takes someone to coach them, to, to give them the support, to give them the positivity, and then just to help them along the way uh, within the team environment. And so I think that's hugely important, especially for developing those that are younger than us, um, you know, coming into this profession and making sure that we keep CPAs in the profession as well. Janet, I've interviewed women leaders that they lead like men. It's very testosterone driven or 
arrogance-driven, if you like, but they felt they had to be strong. I've talked to other female leaders that are much more feminine in their style and compassionate and, and empathetic. And we know that both work because we've seen successful firms and companies run by those kind of leaders. What's your style? No, I, I, I don't like to lead, lead like the men. I think it's... I think in the eighties you kind of had to, when 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 you really were on your own. But um, I think now it's more about encouraging. Um, I think encouraging development within your team is quite important, and showing that they've got a career path and that they're not just you know they're not just sat there and you don't even know who then you know what their name is. Um, that I I like to be encouraging to make sure that they they've got a career path. That, I want to put, I think if you, I think it's um, leadership perspective about mindset. If you're passionate about what you do and you're still happy, you know, you're happy in your work kind of thing, that comes across to your team and that gives them the encouragement to, to come on. And I always like to think, and then there's no silly question. If, if somebody wants a change of career or help, um, I, I think as a female leader, I think you pick up on when there's something wrong with one of your team a little bit quicker than than guys do. Not that the the um, men don't want to see it. It's just that because we sort of naturally have that mother in it, you can kind of if something's just a little bit off, you just kind of pick that up a little bit quicker. Um, so it's it, it, for me, it's to making sure that you know, even if it's a problem at home, you know, can we help? What can we do? Do you, do you, do you just need to have the afternoon off to just you know, go and sit in the spa or go and scream in a field, whatever you, whatever the heart desires to get you, get you through that next bit. Um, I, I'm, that's more me. I'm more encouraging. I don't want to lead like a dictatorship. It's interesting. You talk about how women are more empathetic without being too stereotypical. That is absolutely true. There's a, a English comedian called Mickey Flanagan, and he tells this routine about when his wife goes for a girly night, everyone's really interested in what each other are doing. And he goes for a boy night with his friends at the pub and uh, he'll come back and she wants to quiz him on everything. And she says, well, how Sue? And he said, well, you, do you mean John's wife? And he'll say, yeah. And he said, well, I don't know how, how Sue is. I didn't ask how Sue was. He said, I didn't even ask how John was. And men are not interested in personalities and backgrounds and context, often the way that women are. Donna, talk to us a little bit about your leadership style. So I like to say that I create environments where people have the opportunity to do extraordinary things. So, um, so I build my teams with a diversity of thought and a diversity of skill set. And, you know, I, I like to look for what are those things that are different about that person and, and then to encourage them. And I think that doesn't have to be just in an apartment, but just across the firm. What are people really good at? I think, you know, if um, and I kind of got this idea from Strength Finders. I don't know if anybody has done that um, training. And really, you know, it's a really wonderful concept because people because in Strengths Finders, you concentrate on those things that you're really good at instead of the things that you're really bad at. And so many um, leaders point out all of the things that are not good. If you can point all of the things that are extraordinary, that are really good, and then say, yes, let's work on these other three or five things. Um, and I think that most people, and particularly women, um, that that's much more in their wheelhouse of how they want to be directed, how they want to work. And, and we've talked about teams here. I think that there is nothing more powerful than a team when everybody is rowing the boat in the same direction. Um, there's, there's nothing more powerful than that. I also think that I encourage people to always think like an owner. I tell them, don't think like an employee, think like an owner. If you were a partner at this firm, how would you want this firm to be represented? How would you want your clients to be talked to? Think like an owner and be strategic in everything you do. I think that 
so many times people are so um, hung up in their piece of the pie, right? This is my little piece of what we have to do. And we don't look at it from a holistic or from a global view. And um, so I really try to um, bring out the strategist in every person and how your piece um, has such an impact in, in the greater good. That's an excellent point. So many people are head down, tactical, fighting fires, looking after my office, my department, my silo, where the people with more executive presence have a wider strategic outlook and greater perspective. So it's wonderful to point that out. Let's talk about culture. And Emily, I'll come to you first on this one. You've talked about how inclusive things are and how you try to create that environment in your leadership. What works instead in an inclusive culture in your firm? One thing that really has helped me in my career to feel that I am practicing what I preach is I've been very fortunate to work with leadership that has been easy, non-intimidating, and they don't scare me. We're all human. Um, I've been very fortunate to just kind of also fake it till you make it. And even if you are scared, go in with confidence, even if you want to literally scream and cry on the inside. Um, one thing that I tried doing in my role, being the director of business development, is to not come off as intimidating with people lower than that partner and principal level. If I kind of identify that someone has that star quality, the non-worker be people that can actually get out and talk, I make it a point one-on-one -on -one to talk to everybody. Um, I'm in a cube on purpose because I don't want to be behind closed doors. Um, I want people to come to me with ideas. I want them to feel comfortable venting to me. I want to also just get to know everyone um, because they're the future. And once my current group goes, I got to find the ones that are those rock stars. Should a partner not be available? I want them to know that manager that can talk accounting, but is also really fun. Um, some people are much more comfortable giving speeches. Some people are much more comfortable in big groups. Some people like the more small one-on-one -on -one stuff. You just got to find what works for them. And they're not going to feel comfortable doing business development if they aren't comfortable around me. Um, I think one thing about the profession too that hasn't been mentioned is as it pertains to women, I think we have that luxury of not having to necessarily clock in at eight and clock out at five. Um, as long as you get your hours in and you get the work done, we work in a place where they don't care if you're starting at 10 in the morning, just get it done. Um, and so other people are also more morning hour people. Some people are night owls. I am a morning person and it's it's all about just finding what, what works for my people. And I also don't come off as very stiff and, stiff and corporate. I am very authentically me. And I think that's actually a blessing that my firm has someone that doesn't come from the accounting profession. You know enough by osmosis. I can tell you that I like S-Corps more than C-Corps. And I can tell you that like your audit that's due in June, uh, you don't really have a choice. You're being told by a bank, you got to get it done. You got to get it done. Um, I don't know. I just really treat people how I want to be treated. And I have been treated very well by all of my former leaders and people that I've had to report to. Partially why I joined this firm is because I loved the guy who is my boss. If you can't beat him, join him. And that's and, and what I like is that it is not micromanaging. Donna works at a very similar kind of firm like me, where the higher up you go, the bigger the firm. Yes, sexy names on paper, BDO, Grant Thornton, they're all sexy. But there's a lot of red tape, bureaucracy, micromanaging, and stuff that is annoying to deal with. Um I'm very lucky to be at a firm where I kind of call the shots. And as long as I'm not posting anything inappropriate, um, they kind of let me do my thing. And I think that comes from leadership that is open. And I try to duplicate that. Thank you for that. And, and Debbie, if we've learned anything from the pandemic is that one size does not fit all, one size fits one. 
Uh, talk to us about what makes a, a good culture of inclusion and diversity in your firm. So, you know, again, I think what makes the, the culture good and diversity is, is being um, intentional, right? So you have to intentionally look for, for those individuals that can add different thought um, and have the different backgrounds. So it starts from, you know, campus recruiting. When you're looking for, you know, people straight out of college, it starts at going to different colleges, right? To look at those recruiting efforts. It looks at um, different suppliers and are your suppliers, you know, really um, diverse and coming at you from from different angles? Are you ha- do you have any minority owned um, or women owned um, suppliers, et cetera? So, you know, I think it's just really about being intentional, but then when you bring those individuals on board, it's really about, now making them feel included, right? We can't, it's not just about checking the box and numbers. You know, it, we we really need to uh, make sure that in meetings, for example, you've got maybe 10 people on Zoom calls. And so often on Zoom calls, someone can kind of hide, not go on video, not go on audio and and not really, you know, contribute to the conversation where it's really up to the leaders to say, hey, you know, Sally or Bill or Joe or wh- whoever is on the call, do you have a thought? I want to hear from you. You know, it's really kind of making sure that um, you know, you're really asking everybody on the call to contribute their ideas because we want everybody to be heard. Um, we want to hear that diverse background. We want to hear, you know, what your thoughts are. So uh, if you're at a meeting and, you know, some of the some of the things you can say is, you know, just getting invited to the meeting. But, you know, when you get invited to the meeting and you're there, we want to hear from you. Right. So it's making sure that um, we actually get that information from the individual and we're including them all along the way. Donna, for you, what are you doing to cater for uh, the minorities like me, middle-aged, Christian, straight, white guys? I mean, where do I fit into your firm? Talk to me about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm very lucky to work for a firm that has mission, vision, and core values that we live by. You know, a lot of firms, it's uh, words on a wall. But we were very, um, very particular in doing this. And every single person in the firm five years ago got to participate in this exercise. And so we always say that we have three stakeholders, and that's our um, staff, our clients, and our community. And it's how we hire. It's how we review. It's how we work with our clients. And it gives everybody permission. So like one of them is character, do the right thing always, right? So if someone ask you to do something that you don't want to do, you don't have to. Um, You can see the wall behind me. It's a glass wall. All of our doors are glass and it's open because transparency is another one. So I think that um, whether you are a male or female at Anders, to be able to live by these core values to this mission and vision, it, it is a good path forward that everybody, and it's, you know, that everybody can, it can be a constant. So I, I I think, and I'm going to talk a little bit about white males. I think one of the greatest things that has happened for women, and Janet alluded to this a little bit um, to help us, is that, you know, when I was coming up, if I left to go to um, a soccer game at three o'clock to watch my son, people would be like, oh, what a mom, right? Well, now the young men in, in our firm who are senior managers, principals, even young partners, and they have children. And guess what? They need to pick because their wives have um, important careers too. They have to pick them up from daycare. They have to um, get to that game. And it has changed how it is for everyone. So it has made everything more open. And so Emily talked about, you know, what time do you need to, to get here? And, you know, we, most of our uh, workforce is is hybrid now. That's um, about 70% of our uh, workforce is hybrid. Um, we have people in other countries, people in other cities. It's made diversity a little bit easier because you can hire remote. Um, they don't have to be here in St. Louis. So I think that um, the remote part, while it's hard to manage, I think we're all getting much better at it, right? So like we have a poker tournament here this afternoon to benefit our charity of choice, which is Lydia's House, which is a domestic violence shelter. Um, every year, the firm 
firm votes on the charity of choice for the year. This year, it happens to be my charity, um, which helps women and children suffering from domestic violence. There's a poker tournament here. Um, we're celebrating kind of the end of the October 15th deadline, the end of um, the benefit plan craziness. And um, but we're also making sure that there is a virtual component to that. So I think, you know, one of our core values is welcoming, living a true spirit of family and fun. And now you have to make sure that you can uh, make people feel included, even if they're sitting in the wherever they're sitting, wherever their chair happens to be. So um, I, I think that it has evened the playing field to Emily's point, um, a lot of people are um, doing remarkable things remotely um, that they were afraid to do in person. So, you know, we're like kind of looking for the good in, in what this situation has created and the opportunities that it's put forward, while also understanding there's many challenges that we're still all facing. Sure, indeed. And uh, Janet, we can't ignore what Donna's saying there about the hybrid world. Uh, you're international with the IAB there. It is more difficult to drive culture and values when everybody's all over the place. Well, I'm, I'm quite lucky because all, 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 my, all my team are actually in the UK. So we, we have um, agents in, um, in sort of like the Far East, India, um, Middle East. And they're great because they come over um, at least once a year and that they all come, they see all the staff, they love coming to the office. And it's almost like, it's like, I have to rein them all back in a minute because it ends up like being a party because <laughs> everyone's excited to see everybody so so much. So, but that, that's, that's lovely. And because they have a lot of contact with the team, um, or sort of every week, we, we, we get that we get that culture and, the, and it's it's nice to see that the team in the UK are actually understanding the cultural differences and how, um, you know, messages we put out, you know, how, how they have to be sort of tailored to, you know, slightly changed to, for different parts of the world. So that, that, that they, it's nice to see that they, they get it and that they love it when and we're going, oh, it's Diwali this week. So they've all been sending like messages to celebrate that. But we, we kind of get them whatever everything's celebrating all around the world we end up putting something out because we're quite a small team compared to you guys you're all in great big corporates we're actually quite tiny compared and a small team but our members are are like part of our group so you've got we've got thousands of members who are, are like wanting to contact with us so during the pandemic actually that accelerated us into a more technical world and we started bringing all our members to help them because um you probably heard about the furlough scheme in the UK, which like seemed to change every day. You'd only just got the words out of your mouth to help your members and the government had changed it. Um, a bit like we've got the revolving door at number 10 at the moment. <laughs> yes, it's on. No, we've got tax changes. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. So we're going round in circles. So uh, as a as a membership body who we supervise our members for anti-money laundering and things like this, you know, you know, sanctions for different countries, we need to make sure that they get that message help them support them so getting that out there um, and it's nice to see that a lot of our members are from lots of different cultures and lots of different backgrounds and it, that helps our team to, to you know think outside the box just don't think about where you are in in our office you need to think outside the box and think differently and I, I like different age groups as well because I always find that you've got, you know, all the different age groups, you, you get such a really more rounded, more stuff comes out when you start talking, because you, you, you know, you might say, oh, why can't we do this? Or they'll go, why can't we put it on YouTube or TikTok or something? I'm like, okay, then down to you, because I haven't a clue on how to use that. 
<laughs> Let's go to closing remarks. And uh, can I ask you, I'll start with you, Donna, on this one, just to leave the, the audience with some words of inspiration on one or two, three quick career tips that you would advise them from what you've learned throughout your career, Donna. Okay, so um, these are just things that I live by. I always say anticipate what's next and embrace the new. Build critical relationships with influencers inside and outside your firm. I, I think that that has been the key to my success. Um, to seek out, it is, it is. Seek out others that are hungry. Um, think like a business owner. I said that before, but I think that everybody has to do that. Be the vision. Um, remember that you didn't get here alone and be grateful. I think that that's key. And um, when I address a group of marketers, I would tell them, don't be the marketer, be the change. And I think you can take the word marketer out and you could put accountant, you could put cybersecurity specialist, you could put whatever, you know, take marketer out, insert new word. And I think that you have to be the change. You can't just talk about it. You have to really um, just amplify the change. And if there's something that you want to do or something that you don't like, then you have to put yourself in that position. You can't wait to be asked. You have to be the change. Yeah, that's very good. And you remind me of a quote by a spiritual expert in the US called Martin Rutter. He said, you've got to do it by you. You've got to do it by yourself, but you can't do it alone. And all of us, we have examples of big decisions we need to make on our own and having the, the hands on the steering wheel of our own career, but none of us have got there by ourselves. So uh, I love that. Uh, let's go to you, Debbie, on this one. Career tips for our audience here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, similar to Donna, but you know, essentially I always tell people, don't let the job description deter you from getting the job, right? So don't, and women are, we've, I think someone was mentioned in the beginning that women are very much um, kind of in that group that we're going to look at something and say, oh, it's it's not my skill set, or I can't do that, or I can't do that. And men just go for it, don't they, Debbie? Sometimes they think, oh, I can do that. Exactly. And that's what we need to do. Everybody needs to do that. If you want that job, you go for it. You, you know that you can do it um, and don't let that job description deter you from doing it. So take advantage of the opportunities because you have to set your own path. But having the support group is incredibly helpful, right? So it's the support group that you can call and say, hey, should I take this job? What do you think I should say? What are some questions? You know, just kind of getting that support group that, you know, those people that are going to build you up to your dream and not kind of tear you down. So make sure you pick the right support group. And in that support group, there could be men and women, can't there, in that one? It's not just getting sisters helping each other out. 100%. I have had men support me throughout my career. So, and, and all ethnic backgrounds and, and everybody. So it really is just a matter of picking the right person, not the type of person. Yeah, that's very good. I've heard the term a trusted board of advisors, those people that you can lean into and, and ask personal questions. Probably some of them are down the road from where you are, maybe mentors and coaches, but it's saying, what would you do if you were me? that kind of question. And some of these are champions and advocates that will usher you into the boardrooms and into the corridors and doors of influential people that you perhaps wouldn't get there by yourself. That's what you're talking about, Deb, isn't it? That's right. That's right. But also not being afraid to do it. You know, you may not feel as though you have the confidence, but show the confidence. Go in there and know you can do it because you can. Janet, when you were 16, you probably didn't see yourself where you are right now, but you've made it and you've arrived. What career tips can you share with us that you've got along the way? Don't, don't, be, don't be afraid to take those opportunities. Um, pretty much like the ladies have said, um, if that opportunity comes around, don't think you can't do it. You can, you know, just just have faith in yourself. And I think uh, I think it's about building your own confidence and embrace change. You know, change change is not a bad thing. The the world moves and changes all the time, and you have to embrace that change and to be able to to look forward. As, as a leader, you need to see the greater, bigger picture and 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 look ahead, not just in the here and now. And as Donna said, 
try and be the change instead of absolutely see what's coming and and i, I think for, for you for you know for people coming up and you you, you go through levels of you, you know of starting off at the bottom and then you you know you become a manager and things like that don't be frightened to put your your thoughts forward you know i think i think it's all about confidence and self-belief that i think that's really important believe in yourself because you can do it if you didn't know confidence the word comes from the latin confidence with faith and that speaks to your belief in yourself thank you for that jenna and we'll leave the last word to emily who's a little bit shy and, and not very outspoken so if you could just uh, <laughs> of course i'm joking but uh what career tips have you got for our watchers and listeners emily as we finish off I would say um, my career tips that I tell people and just it works for me is you can only control what you control. You cannot control what you cannot control. I cannot control that there's a global pandemic, race riots, potential nuclear war going on, all those things. But that doesn't stop people worrying about that kind of thing, does it, Emily? We are essential in business. And so I can control my mindset, my activity, how I take care of myself. And that's really all you can do. I try and I call that the career advice of not stress about the uncontrollables. I also tell people make new friends, but keep the old. Um, I have to meet hundreds of people in all these different professions. I have people that are truly like my go-tos, but you just never know when you're going to meet someone that is so delightful and awesome. And so always make new friends, but keep the old. Um, and I would also say kind of goes back to confidence. Um, confidence is contagious. What We all, all women, and maybe you, Rob, we all have those days where it's like, I feel a little pudgy. I'm not feeling that pretty. We all, we all feel that way. And so no, my mom used to always tell me no one likes a wet blanket. And so in business, I try not to burden people with problems. Even if I slept terribly, my dog was sick, and I have a really mean client, I really don't try to bring that into work. Nobody wants to come to your pity party, do they, Emily? No, but I, and, and if you're contagious, it really does spew across other people and other departments. And I don't know, you got to laugh a little bit. Well, thank you so much to all of you. It's been a, a wonderful, rich conversation and lots of practical examples and real life journeys that can inspire the women leaders watching and listening and even the men and let's put all the other genders in between the way the crazy world is going right now because we're so representative but it's great that we're talking about this so thank you so much for your passion and your insights today that's been world class thank you very much Rob. appreciate it improve your practice while decreasing how hard you, hard work, you work to make your firm really fly, really fly. sponsored by dext